This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Welcome back to The Gospel for Life. You missed a, a healthy and vigorous conversation off air. We were, as we were thinking about creation and God's good creation, we were trying to decide whether God actually created cats or if that's some sort of mutation from the fall. Um, <laughs> and there were differing views on cats and dogs off air. And if you have questions about that, you can write us at the Gospel for Life Idaho at gmail.com. And we might, in response to those emails, divulge those sacred conversations that happened off air with regard to cats and dogs, and whether you're a cat person or a dog person. But today we're going to continue on in the books of Moses, the first five books of the Bible. And sometimes when people come across those books, they can struggle and say, okay, I know that they're the inspired Word of God. And from Christ's teaching in Luke 24, they can even go so far as to say, I know they matter, and I know that they speak of Christ, but what do I do with so much of the book of Leviticus? How do I read it in a, in a way that is actually beneficial to my Christian life? So let's start with just with that. What are we, what are we to do with Leviticus for our own personal edification, but also our own ability to understand and comprehend Jesus Christ. Well, in terms of in terms of the law, you know, when you think about the Ten Commandments, you know, you've got moral law. In the in the book of Leviticus, you have a lot of ceremonial law, which has been set aside because Christ fulfilled the ceremonies of the of the law. But those ceremonies were intended to paint a picture of God's character and our responsibility toward him. And so I think that you know, Leviticus serves as a, a, a great book to bring out you know, the divine presence of God, the holiness of God, um, the idea that there is an atonement, there is a covering for sin through sacrifice, that he, you know, like Levit- Leviticus 19 uh, reminds us of our responsibility, be holy as I, the Lord your God, am holy. So I think you get that sense from the book of Leviticus. And, it, you know, what's is interesting, we tend to bog down in the book, but, you know, in, in uh, Jewish culture, this was one of the first books they taught their children, <laughs> you know, and, and that. And you can't hardly read the book of Hebrews without reflecting back on the themes that uh, Leviticus is bringing out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hebrews is is often considered the, uh, like the the New Testament Leviticus. But all those ceremonies, they point us to what Christ has done. They point us to his sacrifice. I think 
there can be a measure as we can get bogged down in all the minutia of detail. I think there's it's okay for us to have a sense of rejoicing and relief that we don't have to do those certain things anymore mm-hmm. um, because they have been fulfilled in Christ. But they do point us to, and the author of the Hebrews does refer back and show the superiority of Christ. But I think also beyond Leviticus and other parts of the Pentateuch, uh, Numbers, I think, is another one where you've got these long genealogies and list of things and numbering of people and um, with some pretty exciting accounts, you know, kind of sandwiched in the middle. But, you know, oftentimes, you know, we might read through those and it's kind of breeze through them. But really, by giving us those genealogies, what God is showing is his preservation of his people. You know, you, you and look the at histori- the geome- and, and the history. And we were talking about the historicity of Genesis, and, mm-hmm. that, and, it, and you know, those genealogies are pointing to the historicity of, mm-hmm. of the things that we have recorded. This is not just something made up. It's not myth. It's not saga. It's not, you know, and, and it actually uh, goes to helping us understand the inspiration of Scripture, mm-hmm. you know, because it reveals these names and nouns and all these other things that will point to things that are testable. Yeah, and even in that context of, you know, the numbering of God's people out of the Exodus and the numbering of his people when they're going into the promised land, uh, the numbers are about equal in, in the end of the day. And so you, you see in that 40-year wilderness, God fulfilled his promise. He preserved his people. and But then Matthew picks up on the genealogies, and we, we see that the genealogies do show God's work and preserving and ultimately bringing about the line of Christ and preserving that. You know, I'm currently preaching through Deuteronomy, and I'm in chapter 8, and I had to take a pretty big chunk of text this last Sunday and struggle to come up with an outline. I don't know if you guys ever have a heart. I think that's probably the (laughs) the toughest thing I have when I'm preaching is coming up with an outline. Some passages are tough. (laughs) And so I cheated, and I went to 2 Timothy 3.16, which says that all Scripture is inspired by God. And it's profitable for four things, for four things, teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness. And I just said, let's run our text through those four questions. Mm. What does this text teach us? How does it expose us or reprove us? How does it correct us? Mm-hmm. How does it train us for righteousness? And I, I find that to be a helpful tool yeah, sometimes when I'm reading awkward portions of Scripture. You know, what do you do with this? Well, Paul says, inspired by the Spirit, this is what this text can do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's very good. Very good. Mm-hmm. When you, some, sometimes when, we run out of alliteration words for, you know, uh, the letter P. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, there's only so many letters in the alphabet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can't use the Greek and Hebrew alphabets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you look at books like Numbers, when you look at Leviticus, and you, you see in Leviticus that it, it is really telling us about the holiness not only of God, but God's call upon our own life, that we are been set apart. Mm-hmm. And that there is a distinction in the mind of God between that which is clean and that which is unclean, and that the call upon our life, as Peter would say, is to be holy as as the Lord is holy. And and sometimes, then what we find in Leviticus is a is a help, a guide, a tool to to help us see that distinction in so many arenas of life. To mm-hmm. say, okay, there is a there is a distinction that is made because of God, where there isn't any distinction in and of itself. So God makes the difference. There's nothing necessarily wrong about certain animals, but God said, I am going to make a distinction where there wasn't one. I made a distinction, God, later, I mean, earlier in, in, 
in Genesis, I made a distinction between Jacob and Esau. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a difference between them in the womb. God came and said, I'm setting one apart for myself. I'm making a choice. And sometimes it's just helpful for us to remember that, that God can make a divide between his, his own, what belongs to him, and, and those that, that do not in a saving way. Um, but also, if you look at Leviticus and Numbers, I mean, there's so many different things that point to Christ, but I would say that there's two clear ones. I mean, in, in the book of Leviticus, you've got the Day of Atonement. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the, the two goats that are represented in that passage so beautifully depict the work of Christ in his propitiation and expiation, that he um, bears the, the weight and the guilt and the wrath for the sin of, Pro, of the that people. That would be the propitiation, propitiation portion. And he carries the guilt and the shame of the sin away. That's the, the expiation. Expiation, the second goat, the one that gets released into the wilderness. So it's just one of the the most beautiful pictures of the work of Christ on on mm-hmm. the cross, and it's it's just found right in the middle of this book. And you, if you decide, you know what, I don't think Leviticus has much for for me. I think you miss out on this beautiful gospel presentation. And the same mm-hmm. can be said in the book of Numbers, Numbers twenty one, with with the bronze serpent. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a picture of the work of Christ, and so much so that it will be talked about in the New Testament as this picture, and so will the book of or uh, the Day of Atonement in the book of Hebrews. So the New Testament authors are saying, "No, no, don't, don't give away Numbers, yeah. don't give away Leviticus. Christ don't, is there. Don't unhitch your faith from the Old Testament. That's right. Yeah, there's, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, through types and shadows, they're all pointing us to to Christ. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the type and the shadow can communicate something even more powerfully than than what we could have imagined. I mean, if you really read through Genesis 22 and the story of Abraham and Isaac, that's a, a, a powerful depiction of the relationship, not just of, of the work of Christ, but uh, of the Father commitment to, to bring about salvation. And just the wording of that comes back in, in the New Testament. Um, and so I think you, we just miss some of the richness of the New Testament narrative without the Old Testament narrative that that undergirds it. Mm-hmm. I, I think too, especially when you read through the Psalms, how much David and the rest of the psalmist praise the law. You know, the the mm-hmm. law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. And Psalm one nineteen is devoted to praising God's law. And I just pray that as I read through the law through the Torah, that uh, that God would give me the same heart that David had for the law. And, and to see what's there. Open my eyes that I might behold wondrous things in your law. I just had the opportunity to work our way through the Ten Commandments in our Heidelberg Catechism. There's a section that goes through those commandments. And as we were going through them, I, I had said, I, I would encourage you not to just see these as rules, but to see them as reflections of the character of God. Mm-hmm. What is God teaching us about himself mm-hmm. in these commands? And I think that's the point of the book of Leviticus. What is God teaching us about himself so that when you get to the Psalms and the psalmists say all these positive things about the law and you're saying, wait, why do they care so much about rules and regulations? Well, I don't think they do care that much about the rules and the regulations in and of themselves. What they care about is the character of God, and what they're saying is, God, I want to run after you. Mm-hmm. I want to be like you, and I know that your law and following your law is a way where I reflect you mm-hmm. in my life. I become like you in how I talk and what I do and what mm-hmm. I think. Um, so yeah. I think it's just a mind shift. 
And I think one another aspect of you know not unhitching our faith from the Old Testament and the reason why we need to keep hold of it and to be in it is the fact that the heroes of our faith are so frail or like fall or not fallen, but they're so frail and they're so their their yeah, wars so and human. their <laughs> sinfulness is just laid bare and um through whether it's abraham well going back i mean noah uh abraham you know isaac and jacob uh david just all of them and god shows that we you know, we we can get caught in the trap that well how could god love me because i mean i keep doing such and such or i've done such and such well look at the patriarchs look at the heroes of our faith and uh god's love is not dependent on how beautiful we are it's unconditional he chooses to love us and he takes us and he shapes us where sin abounds grace does that much more abound and that's one of the things we see through those uh, patriarchs oh glory in my weaknesses because christ is the one who strengthens me as we think about especially those opening five books um hopefully what you'll see is that they're really laying a foundation for so much of the rest of the scriptures with regard to not only who God is, but how he's called a people unto himself and how he is the God of grace that makes a difference in the lives of his people when his people aren't the reason why there's a difference. Mm -hmm. As Ryan was saying, what we see is them failing time and time again. And really what you see in these opening books is God's faithfulness, Mm -hmm. um, that he's the God of promise. He's the God that will sustain his people to the end in spite of, not because of, who they are but it's on who he is. Well, we will see you next time. Thanks for being with us. 